Welcome to So You Want to Be a Copywriter, brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, the world's leading centre for writing courses. Your host is Bernadette Schwert, who you'll find at copyschool.com, and you can find out more about all our copywriting courses at copywritingcourses.com.au. Now, over to Bernadette. It's not every day you get to speak to the eponymous founder of a successful business, but today I get to speak to Rachel Smith, the Rachel in Rachel's List. If you haven't heard of it, The List is an online platform that showcases a huge range of fantastic jobs for journalists, copywriters, content creators, and branding specialists. If you're looking for paid work, this is the place to start. Hello, I'm Bernadette Schwert, and this is the podcast for those who are keen to become freelance copywriters, earn great money, and become a digital nomad. The market for copywriting jobs has never been stronger, and the volume of jobs on Rachel's list is testament to that. If you'd like to upskill and add copywriting or SEO copywriting to your skill set, you're in the right place. Our courses have helped launch the careers of some of Australia's top copywriters, and we can help you launch yours too. Here's what Tracy said about one of our courses, which was the email marketing and copywriting course. I have an e-com business and needed to get up to speed with email. This course was a complete and total immersion in digital marketing, email marketing, and how to create end-to-end campaigns. I can now confidently offer email and marketing and copywriting as a skill set. Well, thank you, Tracy, for that lovely feedback. You can choose from our courses in copywriting, SEO copywriting, email marketing, and how to set up your own freelance copywriting business. You can learn more at writercenter.com.au forward slash essentials or copyschool.com. And if you like my podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Let's get started. Rachel, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. This is very exciting. I have heard of you for years and years. And so to actually meet you in person via Zoom is actually very exciting because, you know, when you hear about Rachel's list, yeah. you think Rachel's is sort of an anonymous person and remote and removed, but you're not at all. You're very involved and you're very accessible as well. So thank you for coming on the podcast. So let's get down to it. How did Rachel's list begin? Well, it's it's kind of an interesting story and you're right. You just said that I'm very much involved and that's true. Like I run Rachel's List, but I also have my own freelance business. So I'm in the trenches along with all my members and, and that sort of thing. And it's always been that way. It sort of evolved because I was doing, I was a movie reviewer and I was um, job sharing with a couple of other journos. And I was really lonely because I never really saw people. And when you job share, you obviously never working with those people, you're just writing handover notes and stuff. So that's where it sort of began. We went, me and these two other journos went for dumplings together and we had such a great time and, you know, talked shop and just had a brilliant time that it ended up becoming a regular thing, this dumpling lunch or lunches out and other freelancers. Because back then, this is a good, you know, over 20 years ago, there wasn't the huge freelance community like there is now. It was very kind of disparate and you felt very isolated. Well, I did. Um, so a lot of other freelancers heard about it and they kept saying, can we come to the, to the lunches? Can we come? And I was like, okay. So I created a list of people who wanted to 
you know, meet up regularly and talk about freelancing. And that list became known, you know, unofficially as Rachel's list. And it got bigger and bigger. It started with three, then it became 200, then it became 800. And then editors were like, oh, there's this underground thing called Rachel's list, which is full of journalists. And, you know, maybe we can give her jobs to give to that list and we can find people easily and quickly, which is how the jobs kind of came started. It was all on email and I would just send it out and uh, people would pick up work and it was really regular and, and it was just fantastic the way it sort of operated. Um, but then it got really big and Outlook started, um, you know, sending it to spam filters and I was thinking, oh God, I've got to do something. So I ended up uh, kind of joining with another journalist to monetize it and take it online. That was in 2012. And, um, and then she sort of left the business and I've continued on my own just with a few freelancers in my team, um, running it. And so we've had a few, we've just sort of relaunched in the last couple of years, but it's grown. It's got jobs. It's got a blog. It's got, um, a shop called the toolkit. We've got a podcast called the content bite, um, which I do with another journalist, Lynn Testoni and yeah. It's become bigger than Ben-Hur, Bernadette, <laughs> bigger than I ever expected. I love those stories because they're so serendipitous and they start from a true passion of just getting people together and it's a very organic process, which is often the best way. And yeah. um, how does it feel for you to be the Rachel in Rachel's list? You know, that sense of, um, I guess there's a certain level of fame associated with that and you probably don't feel that, but you are that. How does that feel to be the Rachel? It's really, it's very strange because I think I'm, I think I'm quite a shy person. Um, I really like working from home. I like my own company. Um, I definitely don't want to be put on a pedestal as someone who has all this knowledge. Um, but I do really like connecting people. I love connecting people and helping them find work and helping them build businesses and anything that I can do to facilitate that, which is what Rachel's List is, is about really. Um, it is about the jobs, but the community is really why people stay. So I love that. And our Facebook group is really busy and I'm a big part of that. Um, but yeah, no, it's strange. It's always strange when people come up to me and know me or, you know, um, send me emails and say I've helped them or they've got a job off the list and, you know, um, it's, it's really nice actually. Yeah. It's a lovely thing to be able to assist others to fulfill their potential because yeah. it's a really beautiful purpose. Um, Absolutely. So talk us through the mechanics of how it works. I just say I'm a freelancer and I want to get work. And also let's say someone over here is a an employer or an agency and they want to find a, a freelancer. Just talk us through the mechanics. Yeah. So we essentially are a jobs board. We're a conduit that connect those two groups, the employers and the job seekers. And we also have an entry-level group for people who might be starting out. So um, might be people in your community, that type of entry level, um, person who is moving into copywriting and learning about copywriting, but they haven't got any runs on the board yet. So we might say, well, we're going to put you in our free entry level list and you'll get entry level jobs for your level. And then once you start getting some paid work, you can apply to go on the main list. So job seekers have to register as a job seeker. Um, and then they go into an approval process where we basically check them out look at their website, look at their LinkedIn. If they haven't got an online presence, we ask them for some paid clippings of their work just to determine if, if they're experienced enough to be on the main list because 
we've sort of got this reputation as people who come to Rachel's List to post jobs know that they're going to get um, responses from experienced people who can hit the ground running. And that's really our whole USP. Um, so that's why we separate out the entry-level people. But we once they get the experience and have a few runs on the board, they can come onto the main list. And job seekers can um, register to be a job seeker. They can then stay, they go onto all our newsletters, but they then stay as a free member. They can see what's happening. They can see the jobs coming through. But if they want to apply for anything, we have two options. If it's just a one-off thing that they'd like to apply for, they can buy a gold key and just unlock the site for 24 hours. Um, and that works for a lot of people. Um, we have a lot of gold keys going in and out the door because people just like that. They don't want full membership, but they just want the chance to do that one-off thing. Or we've got full membership, um, which is $95 a year plus GST. And that gives you access to the whole jobs board for a year and the Facebook community and a few other perks and stuff like that. That's fantastic and very generous in some respects, you know, acknowledging that the, the new people, you know, don't necessarily have that background. So therefore they just they go up. Um, yeah. How many would you have on the database at any one time? So we've got thousands of members that are registered and then we have, um, you know, a portion of those are paid members and the rest are unpaid, but they kind of, might upgrade one year when they really need it and they're freelancing or they might have too much work another time and just, you know, downgrade, but they sort of slow through and come back and drop off and stuff like that. So it's an ever, ever moving beast, our membership. It's <laughs> yeah. a very affordable fee, you know. Yes. Unbelievably affordable for a whole year. Um, yeah. So what about the employers? Like if, if somebody's listening, thinking I wouldn't mind hiring someone, what do they have to do? They do? can go on. They just go on and register as well on the same login page um, to be a job poster. And then they have two options. They can post a job, which is a 30-day listing, um, and that is 125 Or they can do, say, you know, they've got a quick thing. I just need, you know, a copywriter to, um, you know, work on this one project, which is a landing page for me. And that would go under, say, a short gig, and that's $45. And the listing is up for 10 days. And um, something else that we do offer, so those are two sort of ways for the job seekers to get work. We also have the wrap-up, which is a big newsletter that we send out every Friday afternoon. And job posters can advertise in that um, in something called the sponsor box, which is 220. And that goes out, it, out. That is our only newsletter that's open to everybody. So there's greater reach that that job can be shared widely um, and a lot of people get um, you know, a, a different audience seeing the job. So some job posters prefer that. And we also allow job seekers in our Facebook group to share overflow work. So for the job seekers, they could pick up work, you know, in those different ways off the jobs board or the wrap up, but they can also in the Facebook group in that community, um, pick up bits of work from people who can't do the job or are passing on a client and that sort of thing. Yeah. Please. Very, very, um, Amazing service. Rachel, I'm, you've been in this a while, so you've obviously seen changes. I'm really curious as to what those changes have been for you since the 12 when you began. Here we are 10, 12 years later. Um, what, what's changed in just in the copy content world that let's just maybe focus on that? 
Definitely. Well, when I began and when I began Rachel's List, it was very much journo focused and media focused. So the members then were journalists, sub-editors, editors, that sort of thing. There wasn't that digital side um, that sort of started to come um, later. But sort of by 2017, 2018, we were starting to see a lot more content jobs, um, a lot more copywriters. And what Rachel's List is an interesting one because the copywriters that we have, a lot of them are journalists who have moved into copywriting and moved into content, a bit like me, actually. You know, so you started there, but you have those other skills or you've built those skills over the years. And so you do a mixture of all of that sort of stuff. We do have some copywriters like you, Bernadette, who've come from agencies or might be just copywriters who've trained, you know, um, in other areas. Um, but it's now very much, our membership is very much a mixture of journalists, copywriters and content people and content strategists with editors and other creatives in the mix as well. Yeah. And are you seeing what kind of demand for certain jobs? What, what is, what's hot at the moment? What do you think is going to be hot? Well, in terms of copywriting, um, we get ads for copywriters, obviously, who have those digital skills that are in demand, like web copy, SEO, also really specific stuff like conversion copywriters who can, um, you know, help sell a product or help sell an event. We get um, ads for brand storytelling skills. So copywriters who are adept at sort of writing in those different brand voices and you know, are able to switch between brand voices. Um, I think that's probably not the easiest thing to do. So you can really be in demand if you've got that skill. Um, also, we're, we're putting on, um, I think you probably will mention this in your intro, the Content Bite Summit, which is, um, you know, our biggest, our big writing event um, from our podcast. And something that we're seeing from speakers there is uh, they're looking for writers who can take a brief and really turn it into multiple types of copy and content, being really versatile in in being able to repurpose content and being really proactive about that. I think it really takes the pressure off if you're able to do that. Mm. Are you seeing a need for copywriters to be more strategic, you know, like being able to do the whole sort of campaign rather than just get a brief and work on yeah, are you are you seeing a need for that sort of holistic campaign management? Absolutely, and that is a huge thing um, at the summit as well. It's that importance of being able to offer more as a copywriter than just taking a brief, fill, filing your copy, and moving on to the next client. Like if you can get that work, that's amazing. But um, the discussions that we're having, you know, um, over and over about future proofing your career and that sort of thing. It's really about moving yourself up the rung of the value ladder. And that's something that Ed Gandia, who's one of our keynote speakers, he's really famous for saying that, you know, you can't stay in that order taker role. You have to start being able to move yourself up. Um, and obviously a big part of that, as you just mentioned, is offering strategy. And it's something that a lot of us do without thinking and we don't charge for it. I know I've, I've made that mistake myself, or you might not feel confident about charging for it, but when you're talking to a client, you might realize I actually have all this knowledge and I really know how to help this person. I can really create a roadmap for that client. Um, and so it's actually getting into the mindset of thinking, I have to offer this as a surface, as a service. It's an add-on thing. Um, and that's something that, yeah, um, Ed is going to be talking about at the summit is that kind of thing, getting into that mindset of starting to offer strategy, how to do it, how to build it into your skill set and all of that. It's really important. 
Yes, I think it is a, a future proof. We have to talk about AI. Um, yeah. What what opportunities do you see for copywriters in the future with regards to AI? So, well, obviously it's really hard to predict, isn't it, because we're in this big state of flux. Um, you guys have probably talked on the podcast about prompt engineering or AI whispers and that sort of thing, those sort of jobs of the future. I've actually had copywriters say to me, I, I think I'm actually going to go for one of those jobs. I might, I might move in that direction, which is just nuts to me. But we haven't had anything like that advertised on Rachel's list yet. But, you know, watch this space. I think, um, you know, if writers, if copywriters did want to go in that direction, um, they're going to be in demand because, you know, we're arguably better at carrying on a conversation and asking the right questions of a robot. And that's how you can get the best out of AI. So I think that we're going to see a lot more of that in the future, for sure. Yeah. And AI, yeah, it's a tricky one, AI, isn't it? (laughs) There's the positives and negatives. Yeah, I think we are in that state of flux and I don't think anyone can predict with any certainty as to where that's going. And I think the, the, the advice I get, the advice I give is something like, you want to be the copywriter who's actually using it rather than the copywriter who doesn't. Because yep. the ones who are using it are getting up to speed with it. They're seeing the potential of it. They're probably producing more copy quickly. Um, and just being very familiar with it so that when the new updates come or the new developments or the new motion comes, they're already on top of it rather than just saying, I just reject outright, you know. So it's the kind of thing people would just compare it to the pen, the computer, the Gutenberg Press, you know, there's all these developments over the years that they'll you know, signal the end of something. And I think yeah. it's the same here. It's not the end of anything. It's really just the augmentation that's currently doing. Yeah. Um, but just on the, the bit about the campaigns and, and the roadmaps, uh, what, what techniques have you used in your career? Because you said that you were conscious that you didn't offer it, should and then did. You know, what, what kind of, uh, how did you package that or how did you, communicate that to a client so that they can see that. Yeah. So early on in my career, um, I really like flew by the seat of my pants a little bit and I was very much in that order taker role. Then I started to realize because the types of copywriting jobs that I do, like I do a real mixture. I do a lot of journalism writing and I do a lot of content marketing, but when I'm taking copywriting jobs on, um, they have to be right for me. And, um, I love helping small businesses with web copy and that sort of thing. And a lot of them come to me and they just don't understand, um, you know, what they need to do to reach their market or the types of things that they could do. So I love kind of building that roadmap for them. And I have started sort of charging for it. I think I became more strategic about creating a process around that. So the, the meeting, you know, all of it is built into a package almost. The meeting, um, if you're doing the SEO audit or the keywords, um, that sort of thing. And also I created documents and stuff. Some of them are available on the toolkit at Rachel's List just to get a lot of information out of the client so I could help build out what they needed. And then I would create a report for them and that sort of thing. So that would be one cost. And then, um, Usually, because I would I'd done that plan and that roadmap for them, they would, they would I would execute it for them as well. So yeah. And in terms of your career, what did you struggle with? Like a lot of copywriters I know struggle with selling. You know, they fear 
being sleazy or slimy or being pushy. Um, and I, I, I'm always sort of encouraging my students to see it as a service, you know, rather than selling something, they're being of service. Uh, what tips would you give uh, that you've seen successful copywriters embody that enable them to get over that lack of confidence of selling themselves? That's a really tricky one, but I think that a lot of us struggle with that lack of confidence. I definitely do, even though I've been doing it for a long time. But something that um, I did manage to get over and that I now find really easy, and that's from a lot of um, training and listening to people, you know, smarter than me, talk about money and that sort of thing, like Brooke McCarthy is a big one in that area. And really, it is, it really is about what you charge. Like if you can move from you know, charging very little to realizing that actually, you know, this job is what it costs and this is, and be prepared to walk away if that person is, um, you know, trying to lowball you or trying to bargain you down. Also recognizing those signs at the start of a bad client or someone who, who is going to be a pain in the ass, the pit attacks, we call it. Have you heard of that? Bernadette? What's that called? Um, the Peter tax, the pain in the ass tax. Oh, the Peters. <laughs> yeah, the Peters yeah. for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's sort of, um, it's something that you learn the longer that you're in, you know, in your career and, but the kind of clients that you want to take on, the ones that are going to be good to work with, the ones that value writers is a really big one. Um, the ones that aren't frustrated writers themselves and are going to pull everything apart or, you know, there's. There's so many um, things to learn, but I think I think training is so important because it starts to give you more confidence um, in how you want to operate your own business. It starts to give you skills so you feel like you can actually, you know, you're not an imposter. We all suffer from that, don't we? Yeah, yeah. And the copywriters that, that I really admire, I mean, um, have done a lot of training and have almost become trainers themselves because they want to pass on all of that knowledge. Yeah. What kind of red flags do you see that make you sit and take notice that, you know, this is a client that I should make a seriously of? <laughs> oh, my God, there's so many. I actually did a, um, a carousel on Rachel's list about this recently. <laughs> yeah, I think definitely um, something that we're seeing a lot is clients who ghost you. So you will do a big quote, you'll do a proposal, or you might even get on the phone with them and, you know, it sounds great and they're really excited to work with you and all this jazz. And then they just disappear. They just literally disappear off the face of the earth. They don't even have the courtesy to come back and say, I'm sorry, you're too expensive, or I'm sorry, we've decided to move in another direction. They're just gone. And um, so that is a really, that's a big one for me, but also, gosh, clients who really um try to you know that I have I had a client that would say things to me like can you sharpen your pen sharpen the pencil on this quote and that is a red flag to me because I feel like they're always going to be watching everything to make sure they get the utmost value out of whatever you you're doing and the pressure is really on to get the results that they want and you know often you can't guarantee results especially in things like seo copy it's a long game and that sort of thing um so yeah i get really nervous about clients that are very nitpicky at the start um also clients that don't risk they're hiring you in a sense as an expert because you have more knowledge than them but they don't respect 
that knowledge. Um, have you come across that as well? Yeah, you're nodding madly. No one can see this because we're on Zoom, but <laughs> yeah, they just don't, they don't respect that you know perhaps more than them and that you're trying to help them. Yeah. Like go to a doctor and they give you the, the consultation, you go, you know, have you thought about this? You know, I, I've got this medication that I've been looking at. You know, it's like, well, if you knew, yeah. you would go to the doctor. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. a few things that I see are um, more of an observation uh, is, is I asked the question at the beginning, you know, do you want me to be an order taker or do you want me to be a consultant and to help you? And yeah. it doesn't always work out because right? I think I forget what they said, you know, three weeks. Yeah. But I do try and establish that because... It, it, it owns a little bit about, well, where, where's the power lie here? Like, if you really want me just to take orders, I can do that, right? Yeah. We can make it really clear. But you're not going to yeah. get a fantastic result necessarily. But if you want to be a consultant and challenge you, you know, then we're going to have a, more of a robust conversation. It won't be as pleasant yeah. necessarily, but you might get a better result. So I think that's a nice question to ask at the beginning. And I think the other thing that I'm sort of being reminded of as you speak too, Rachel, is as copyrights be a bit, pushy you know and I think that plays uh, it, it pushes certain people's buttons you know, as copyrights because they're not those kinds of people um by nature and I'm being really general now writers tend to be gentle people you know and I'm being incredibly general but they're not the kind to say it's going to be done this way yeah you know, it's just not yeah. that kind of vibe um but what I found is sometimes in a briefing situation you know clients say things and they kind of leave it with you to, to figure out. Yeah. And I, I've learned over the years, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to say something. Actually, no, that does, that's confusing for me or that doesn't make sense to me or I need you to be a bit more specific there. And then it's on them to work yeah. out. You know, whereas yeah. what they often do is push it onto the copywriter to figure it out. You know, this that, sort of I think very that vague. Happens, yeah. Doesn't that happen when they don't have their ducks in, the, in a row or they don't know what they want? So they kind of just dump it all in your lap um, and that's fine. But with that comes making sense of it and charging for strategy and doing that roadmap that we talked about, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Things where you say at the beginning of that meeting, you say, well, we're not really at the copy stage. Yeah? Exactly. We're not into the copywriting brief. We're into yep. strategy. Like what are we actually talking about? What are we selling? You know, yep. what is the, the, the campaign? What is the funnel? You know, until... Yeah. All of that. And I think this is where copywriters do get bamboozled. And I've certainly been in the case, uh, in the situation where I'm going, hang on, what are we doing here? You know, yeah. and and I think for new copywriters, it can be incredibly intimidating because they're suddenly being forced to be this high-level strategic account director yeah. and they haven't written a brochure before. Yeah. And they wonder why it's difficult. Yeah. And so I guess... Yeah, do you see that? And if, if you do, what kind of advice would you give to someone who's in that situation? Look, I think when you're starting out as a copywriter, um, you do want to work with clients who know what they want and give you a really specific brief because then you can start to, you know, you're kind of, you're not at that stage, are you, where you could perhaps strategize for that person or you might just be wanting to get some runs on the board and start slowly. So you really want to look for clients that know what they want, give you a specific brief. Um, and that might be, I want, you know, a blog post a month for the next six months, you know, or it, it might be, I need a five page web website written and here's what I need. 
you have a call with them, you interview them, um, you write the copy, you can outsource the SEO or you could do the SEO if you've got that skill. Um, and that's a nice, easy job to start with, you know. Um, but as you start to get more into your career, you it is good to add those skills on, isn't it? And to once you get better, you can start to offer those skills. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great strategy is to sort of narrow it down to very specific tasks. What can I do right now? What that's... are my skills right now? And being true to that and perhaps, I mean, there is that argument, isn't there, for pushing yourself. And, you know, a lot of copywriters will say, I just say, I just say yes, and then I work it out later. I work out how to do it later. Yeah. And that's great. I think that's great when you're more experienced and you know that you can pick things up or you can find out how to do something. But when you're starting out, um, <laughs> you can really stress yourself out by taking on massive jobs where you don't understand the mechanics of it or it's going to take you so much more time to figure out how to do something than you're being paid and you just end up resentful and hating it. And <laughs> yeah, and you never do it again. And I, yeah. I'm sure many copywriters have just left the, the, the industry without even beginning yeah. because that first job was so It's too hard. It just is too hard. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the um, I just love that that concept of just keep it really simple. And even if this is very complicated, brief, you can say, "Look, let's just do one thing. Let's just yeah. do a small thing together. Let's get some rubs on the board." And then you've yeah. built that relationship. You built that working flow. Yeah. Um, the other tip that I say to my students is just get the workout established really quickly. You know, whether it's about us page or it's blog or whether it's whatever yeah. is. Let's just narrow it down to. Yeah, 500 words or seven, whatever it is, because suddenly you go, well, what do you need to say in this? You know, yeah. What are the top five points? And there yeah. are 100 words each. There's your five Who are you points. trying to reach? That sort of thing. And having a questionnaire um, is something that I started doing about five or six years ago. And we've got that in the toolkit. Um, it's kind of a modified version of my own questionnaire that I give clients, but it is the most important and useful document at the start of any project. Um, it also asks that question that is very difficult for copywriters to ask, which is, what is your budget? What do you, what do you want to pay for this? It's really difficult. Also, clients will say, well, I don't know. I don't really know what this costs, so you just have to tell me. And I think that that is a question that we've all faced so many times as copywriters. As you get more into your career, it becomes easier to answer. And the reason it becomes easier to answer is because um, – what you should be doing actually is creating your own document of projects that you've worked on and what you charged for them and the types of, you know, the breakdown of the project. Was it a five-page website? Was it a brochure? Was it, you know, 10 blog posts? And the kind of, you know, rates that you charge. So if you get a client that says, I have no idea what that costs, you can say, well, in similar projects, I charged X. And that's a really easy way to get through that. But getting back to the questionnaire, you can ask that question in your questionnaire of the client. And it's like, I think, how do I ask it? What's your budget for this project? And then I have in brackets, um, even a ballpark range would be helpful at this stage to determine whether we're a good fit. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, sometimes they'll throw it in there and it's, it makes you see immediately, do I want to work with this person? Have they got a budget that is realistic for this project scope and that sort of thing? Yeah. And I think the other augmentation of that is to do ranges, you know, like, a thousand to three thousand, three yeah. five, or you know, whatever those breakdowns might be. Just that they, even if you started at two thousand, it's telling them, oh, yeah, I don't get anything under two thousand dollars. You know, yeah. it's not even worth sort of 
beginning the process. So useful. I have that on my form. So I, there's two ways that people can sort of approach me. They have to fill in a form and they have to say what their budget is. So useful to do that. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I guess it's, it's not a foolproof thing because sometimes clients genuinely don't know what the cost is and it's up to us as copywriters to educate what it as to, you know, the value here. But yep. what's the questionnaire? Like what kind of questions do you ask? Can you think of them off the top of your head? Let me see. Um, I say, what's your, um, what's your desired outcome for this piece of content or copy? Um, you know, are you trying to, is it, so I can determine whether it's more copywriting or whether they are looking to sort of build a rapport with their audience, you know, build trust, establish themselves, you know, uh, or establish their brand in a positive light, that sort of thing. So you always want to know what the outcome is for that piece of writing. Um, I ask about, you know, uh, the tone or style of the writing. Um, let's see if it's for website, if it's for website copy, I ask about other websites that they like the sound of, which can also help you with tone. All of this stuff, I think really just cuts down on time. And it's almost in a way with, with some clients, you're almost having to create that reverse brief, aren't you? Um, and that's where a questionnaire can be really, it can really encapsulate a lot of information about it because it forces them to sit down and really think about the project and think about the project scope and exactly what they need. I also have a question in about, um, will you be needing further copy or, um, you know, do you have other projects after this? So, and that will be like things like blog posts. I need blog posts. I need social media. I need, um, you know, a, a regular EDM going out to my you know, my audience and that sort of thing. Um, so that not only tells you that there could be ongoing work with that person, but, you know, it sort of sets up the relationship um, with that client as well. And I'm trying to think of the other things that I have on there. Um, I'll obviously ask the budget question. Um, I ask about competitors in their space. Um, yeah, it's about a three-page three document. And you were asking about red flags earlier. I think um, a big red flag is clients that won't answer that questionnaire. Oh, it's, yeah. You know, yeah. this won't take the time to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a big um, Just in terms of the money, you talked a little earlier about when clients don't have the budget. Um, can you share with us the spreadsheet you use like when you do have this conversation and they don't know and yep. you're on the phone, what do you say? Just curious as to how you get Yeah, so I will, I kind of, because I've been doing it for so long and I have, um, I kind of know instinctively what a project is going to cost, but I'll just say, look, um, I'm trying to think of a recent one. Yeah, okay. So I had a recent potential client come to me and she was saying, look, I want to, we want to do all our copy and, and even our logo on chat GPT. <laughs> and we want to, you know, we think we can do our blogs on chat GPT. And I was just kind of explaining that you really need to get a proper logo designed and you need to, you know, actually do proper branding and a color palette and, you know, have, have all your brand positioning for this, for this service that they were doing. And she said, what do you think? all of it is going to cost because we talked about newsletters, we talked about SEO, we talked about putting a website together, all the copy. And I said, you, you really need to think about 10 grand. 
you know, and I knew there was the potential that she would just run away screaming from that. Um, but I prefer to put that on the table immediately. You know, like I've given quotes of 25 grand over the phone, just rough estimate. This, this kind of thing is going to cost 25K. I just know from my work in, on similar projects and that sort of thing. Um, and sometimes, you know, people do run away and they don't come back. But I think you've got to be upfront about that. It really helps if you've got that document where you have got all your previous projects and you see, you could even look over that before you had that phone call with the client and say, right, I kind of get a sense of what they are going to want. So here are the other prices that I've charged in the past for this sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it's just, I think it's really good to have that conversation early because I also think you can end up in this endless spiral, this death loop of discussion, can't you, where you don't get to the money conversation um, until you've wasted all this time, all this unpaid time with that person who might be really nice and might actually have a project for you. But when you get to the money conversation, you realize you're not a good fit at all because they want to pay you $500 and it's actually going to cost 3000 you know? But true. Yeah. I had this beautiful student who I just adore. I had a coaching call with her and very switched on, small businesswoman, you know, but transitioning into copy. And if she's listening, she'll, she'll know who I'm talking about. But, um, yeah, a heart-centered person, as many of the copywriters are, and what is worth for free, you know, for, for some time in order to get skills. And I said, you're actually really good as you are, you know, yeah. and you don't really need to be charged for free. Maybe one or two just to, you know, confirm your skills, but after that you really should be charging. And she was, oh, I don't know. And I said, look, just imagine if you're a plumber, you know, and you went to someone's house. And you said, you know, I'm going to unblock your drain. I'm going to pull all that hair out of there. And, and I'm going to do it for free, you know, because I really, really enjoy doing it. And, <laughs> and it was like. It really yeah, puts it in perspective. It? Doing this, you know, for free. And would you firstly expect Plumber to do it for free? Simply no. because it's, uh, it's an ephemeral thing. You know, it's, it's, it's a, an invisible skill in some respects, writing. Um, and she said, yeah, that's a really good point. So I said, every time you now think about doing it for free, think about what the problem is. And they just, you know. yeah. And also think about what, you know, that money is costing you. Every time you do something for free, it's depriving your family of that money, you know, that someone else has to make. Yeah. You know, so she got a bit kind of emotional about that. She goes, yeah, actually, I don't want to put my family under pressure. So yeah. sometimes we have to get a bit angry. Yeah. You know, we have to get a little bit, um, emotionally connected to yeah. what we're doing and say, this is not for fun. This is not yeah. a joke. This is not a freebie. This is not a gift. It's a skill. And we need to be really. Um, and we're running a business. Way. Yeah. 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 It's like, you know, clients that might say to you, look, I'm a startup. I don't have a lot of money. Um, but look, there'll be money down the track. Massive red flag. Because if you start off writing blog posts for that startup for a hundred bucks, you know, they're never going to pay you 500 bucks for a blog post or, you know, $800, you know, when it becomes more complex, they're just not because you're setting a dynamic with them from the start, aren't you? Yeah. And so that dynamic has to be, what is this project worth? And if we, if your budget, you know, isn't in alignment with, um, what I feel this project is worth. Where can we reduce? That's a, that's a really good one. Um, 
if if there isn't that alignment there, they don't have enough money and the scope is is worth way more. You can just say, where can we reduce the project scope to fit in under your budget? It's a really yeah. good way to, yeah. you know, make them out here. Work we? with them, but yeah. not have to reduce your own fee. Yeah. Yeah. And um the bit about, you know, working for free, I often get asked to speak at things, which is oh, like, yeah. you know, at, at some point you go, I can't that's it's good for your brand. It's like, well, brand, you yeah. know, yeah. I can't buy a bottle of milk with brand. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and look, I've, I have sympathy for that, you know, in terms of speaking for free, because especially if it's a good audience for you, I'm not saying you shouldn't do that because I yeah. still do that in some occasions. But when it becomes, you know, there is an organisation that really can't afford, you know, to do that, I think that's, that's problematic. Um, I agree. I really like your idea too about the, it's almost the third party selling, as I call it, or sideways selling using story where they say, you know, what's this going to cost? And you say, well, what I work with, we did this, 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 and this yeah. is what I charged. Yeah. And so it's a little bit side, I call it sideways sell, where you're yeah. saying referring to and using a story. Yeah. It's not as direct and it's yeah. not as um, assertive, you know. It, it takes you, the pressure off a little bit because yeah. you're just telling them what, you know, a previous project might have cost. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So it softens it. Credibility as well. So it's a really Absolutely. nice technique to do. Um, okay, so look, what, where's Rachel's List go to from here? I'm just sort of wrap up. What's, what's the future for Rachel's List? Oh, gosh. Well, hopefully lots more jobs coming on for our journos and copywriters and, and content people. And, um, yeah, getting our name out there is always, well, I think it's a challenge for any brand, but um, it's, it's something that we always work on and we have brilliant word of mouth. I would like to get a lot more sort of templates. I'd like to do, write, do a lot more eBooks for our toolkit um, because I think all those resources are just so important for people who are starting out. And I really think um, the more you get your systems in place early, as a copywriter especially, um, the more time you have to sort of look for clients, work on your marketing. You know, when everything is in place and you've got your questionnaire sorted, you've got all your contracts in place ready to be overwritten for the next client. You know, all of that can, it, it just, um, it completely changes your business actually when you, when you do that. So that's important to me to get more resources like that to help um, emerging writers and writers who want to, you know, build their business more efficiently, I suppose. Obviously, we've got the summit coming up, um, which is not really a Rachel's List vehicle, but we're sponsoring it and it's, um, it's come out of our Content Byte podcast um, and that's quite exciting because it's the first most massive event I've ever worked on. I've done masterclasses and webinars, but this is the big kahuna, Bernadette. <laughs> it's really huge. Yeah. Congratulations. It's, it's been lovely to talk to you, Rachel, and thank you again for uh, making yourself available and sharing your amazing wisdom and experience with us and providing this incredible resource to writers emerging in advice. So thanks very much for being My a part pleasure. of this. Thank you for having me. If you're looking for a job, Rachel's List is a great place to start. And what I took from Rachel is that no matter how experienced we are, we have to constantly work at keeping up our confidence. And part of that is to keep learning. It's a surefire way to overcome imposter syndrome and to increase your confidence and increase your earning potential. A great way to learn is by enrolling in one of our copywriting courses. 
You can find out more about them at writercenter.com.au forward slash essentials or copyschool.com. Now, in closing, my joke, because I know you're waiting for it. And it's kind of on a career theme, so I thought it was appropriate. I just lost my job as a psychic. I did not see that coming. And my quote of the day, again, with a career theme, if you like, I'm not making a living, I am making a life. Well, that's it from me. All the best and bye-bye. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Copywriter. You'll find the show notes at soyouwanttobeacopywriter.com.au. This podcast was brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre. Do you want to get started as a professional copywriter? Have a look at our course, Copywriting Essentials. Created by Bernadette Schwert, this five-week online course will teach you how to write words that sell and get paid to be creative. Find out more at writercentre.com.au slash copywriting. And thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Copywriter. You'll find the show notes at soyouwanttobeacopywriter.com.au.